Okay. Um, that uh, gulp is going to help me today. So we're going to move right into our little sermon today. Uh, we're not going to take a little snack break, as I know you guys really enjoy. Uh, but we have that coming up. I felt like, you know, after worship, uh, you feel the presence of God. Then why rush out of it? So we're going to stay here for a little bit. Um, so what I'm doing right now is I'm setting up some cups. And these cups are going to be at a sermon illustration that I'm going to try, and hopefully it's successful. Um, and over here we have a little vase, but that's a secret. I'll reveal it in a little bit. Um, the reason why I had you guys say gulp is because when I'm thirsty, I drink water. And when I'm thirsty and drink water, it's awkward. And so when I'm drinking water, I want you guys to say gulp. Okay, ready? Let's try this. Thank you. And it's, just, it's better than if it, okay, this mic is tripping. It's better if, if, if it's just really quiet. So every time you guys see me drink water, just say it. I give you permission. And also... Also, this thing is. Um, okay, there we go. Um, also, also, also. Uh, I've been told that I talk really fast, so I'm going to try slowing down. Thank you, Igor. I'll take that. Uh, I'm going to try talking slower. Um, and I've been improving a little bit in some other areas. I don't think I use that filler word that often that I used to use say. What was it? Like. Like, like. So, we're making improvements here, okay? Um, so, remember, gulp water, talk slower, and enjoy God's presence, okay? Uh, that should go on a shirt. Somebody can make that. Um, but, okay, so, I'm going to be up here with you guys, and I'm going to speak for a little bit. After that, we're going to have our uh, lovely Josh Woodrose come up and do some announcements, and we're going to end the night off, okay? But for now, let's focus in, zero in on God's word, on his message today. The title is Living from Overflow, okay? So it has to do with water, living water, just so you guys know. But before we get into the juice, before we get into that meat of the sermon, I wanted to give you guys a, um, a disclaimer, I didn't come here to tickle your ears, okay? Tickling your ears, not physically, hopefully. Obviously, I didn't come for that. Um, but Paul talks a lot in Corinthians about how he's qualified to speak elegantly. He was born uh, in the right tribe. He was taught by the right teacher. He was educated in the right way. So basically, he can talk really smooth. But he came to the Corinthians, uh, and he was talking to them, and he said, hey, I'm not doing it by the elegance of my speech, but I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm doing it by the power of the Spirit. I'm demonstrating the power of the Spirit. And so here, um, I'm just here to pass on a conviction that God's given me. That's about it. Um, he's given me this conviction a while ago, and it's still there. And so uh, I'm here to give it to you guys. And so what, that, what I'm trying to say here is basically prepare up here, all by myself with my cups, um, it's a little bit intimidating. Um, and you guys have a job as listeners, not only to assess what I'm speaking, the word of God, to make sure everything's good and correct, but also to apply it to your life. Because it's easy, it's really, really easy to just listen and then just be like, no, I don't want to do that, God. Right? And so I'm going to challenge you guys today as you listen to the word of God and to whatever point may stick out to you. Maybe it's something that I didn't even intend for it to make sense or to stick out. Um, apply it. I'm going to challenge you guys, okay? So can we agree? I will preach today and you guys will listen and apply it, okay? Let's try that out. 
Uh, I'm going to read, and this is still before, I just kind of want us to unify really quickly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 13 and 15, it basically talks about the, uh, the, the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God. It says, these things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Imagine that. The same spirit that lives in us is searching God and understanding him. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, nobody knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And guess what you guys have? Spirit of God. Nice. Okay. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, Mm-mm-mm. nope, we, uh, but the spirit who's from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This, Dima, can you help me put this thing up there? Because I think the mic is chipping because I'm up here. Ooh. Okay. What's up? So this? This is better? Okay, now I'm all the way up here for no reason. Um, it's fine. Back into the word. Um, this, uh, verse 12, that we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So God has given you the spirit, Holy Spirit inside of you for a reason. Why? So that we can understand him, right? This is what we speak, not in words taught by by human wisdom, what I'm saying right now, the tickling of the ears, but words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Okay. Now you guys know. You guys are held accountable to what I just said. You guys, uh, the Holy Spirit live inside of you, and what's the purpose is for you to understand God. And so as, as I'm speaking today, I want you guys to apply it, to understand, hey, my spirit is, is connecting with your guys' spirit, and that's all this learning God. And he's working in these weird little ways and miraculous ways in each and every one of you here. And so understand that. It's, 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 we're in God's presence. It's immensely um, powerful, I guess you can say. And so with all that being said, with all of this fun stuff that I just talked about, I want us to approach this um, with an open heart. Who knows uh, where the Spirit will lead this? Isn't that the fun thing? That's exciting. Um, we have a good idea. But I'm just, I'm just excited to be here standing with you guys in the same Spirit and talking and reading the Word of God. And so that's cool. That's really cool. Um, and so some of us can receive breakthrough tonight. Some of us can receive an answer that we may be looking for. Not who to marry, but maybe more something like, uh, like what job to take or something like that. Who knows? Um, some of us may receive a confirmation. Some of us may, oh, there's a lot of things we can do tonight, but just be open for it. So let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, Lord, I thank you, God, for this evening. I give this to you, Holy Spirit. We've already said that so many times, God. We ask you to move in our heart, into our life, and, um, and now this is a time of action, time to actually put it into work. And so, Lord, use this time as it's yours, God, and speak whatever you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I got a few scriptures for you guys. If you have your Bible, uh, physical edition, or you version, please pull it out. I'm going to encourage you guys to follow along, highlight what I talk about, and then when you're home and you're talking to your mom, and she's like, what did you learn at 8 to 25 tonight? You're like, this is what I got right here. Check this out. So you can uh, know what you just talked about. So we're going to start off with Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Um, I'm going to describe something really quick, a core fundamental of what it is that we are, who we are, And then I'll go into the concept of what it means to be overflow. So Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That's powerful. Anything that you have to offer in your physical self, Edward Garbuzov, you know, anything that I have to offer apart from Christ is going to fall flat in comparison and as a work and as a duty for Christ and his, uh, his will. And so that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's something that I need to realize uh, is I need Christ inside of me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In this body, I live by faith. Okay? And so you ask yourself this question. I asked myself this question. I heard it in a sermon. Convicted me, as usual. And, and I'm listening to the sermon, and, and I think it was David Wilkerson. And he was saying, hey, if you take the Holy Spirit out of your ministry, if you just take him out, Will your ministry still function? Um, and, and, and I want to ask you guys that kind of personalized question. If you take the Holy Spirit out of blank, will that still function? If you take the Holy Spirit out of, uh, let's do an easy one, finances, will it still function? As, as, as honest as I may be, I, I think yes. I rely too much of my own strength for my finance. I rely too much of my own ability. I rely too much of my own intellect to make money. right? And so I think if I take the Holy Spirit out of that, I think I'd do fine. And so that's an incorrect way of thinking. Let's ask another question. If I were to take the Holy Spirit out of my relationships, let's talk about family. Will they still function? For me, and I'm evaluating myself as I'm talking to you guys, if I'll be honest, maybe. There's like a maybe, a definite maybe. Right? And so if I could answer these questions, if you guys can answer these questions to yourself and be like, well, maybe it could work, maybe it won't. Ask yourself this, are you depending on the Holy Spirit? Are you utterly dependent on him? Because if you were and he was removed, then would it function? No. It's a simple no. And so that's, that's a question for you guys to ask yourselves. How dependent am I on God? Because there's people in this world that are living that are not Christian. And how do they function? Right? And so think about that for yourself. Uh, a lot of things would still function. And then there's this interesting quote, interesting quote that I, uh, for a long time bothered me. The road, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I heard that before. I didn't like it. Um, it didn't really make sense. But think about what is good. What's a good intention? Well, a good intention can be a lot of things. Good intention can be um, you just buying somebody some coffee, right? A good intention can be, you know, just helping somebody out on the street, somebody move, whatever. Um, but there's a difference between, you know, something good and happening and resulting in something good and something that's life-giving, right? And so you can be living your entire life doing good things, but they don't bring life to anybody because it's not connected, and, uh, it's not connected back to the source, which is Christ, which lives inside of us. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You get the connection. So basically, in order for you to do anything fruitful, effective, uh, promising uh, anything good that brings life, it has to circle back to the source, which is Christ. And so stop trying to rely on your own strength. If the Holy Spirit was pulled out, how much would you be, how strong would you be there, right? Um, a lot of us would be a little too strong. And so I want you guys to kind of um, understand that, that everything and the power of whatever you're doing can only be effective when it's related to Christ and his source. And so now let's talk about overflow. 2020, the year 2020, there's this guy named Tim. 
You guys don't know him, actually. This is a made-up person. I'll use a different name because I actually know it's him. Um, guy named Stan. There you go. I don't know any Stans. There's a guy named Stan. You're 2020. Man, it was a great year. The Lord used me. I was reading my Bible every day. I was, pr- uh, I was reading. I was praying. The Lord was revealing things to me. I was serving at youth services. I was serving at teen services. Connect, usher. I was basically like, uh, I was like Martha, and, and I was doing everything out here. And the Lord even used me to heal somebody and restore their vision. Praise God. Man, good job, Stan. The year 2021 rolls around. Stan is still out there. He's hustling for the Lord. He's still working. But he's starting to put a little bit more uh, time into himself because he needs to grow himself. And so Stan is like, yeah, I'm still serving at church. I love church. This place is great. I have a lot of friends there. It's really fun. Um, But, yeah, I'm still blessing, still praying for people, and the Lord's still showing things to me. The year 2022 rolls around. Uh, Stan, he's, he's doing great. Um, he, he's still working in the church, right? He's, he's cutting down a little bit on his reading of the word, but he's still praying a lot. That's okay. You know, he's praying. Um, and he's starting to focus a little bit more on himself, trying to do that hustle. He's trying to hustle out here. But he reminds you, he's like, hey, do you remember that one time back in 2020, though, when I, when I healed that person? I mean, that was crazy, right? 2023 rolls around. Stan is, uh, he's having a hard time reading. He's having a hard time praying. And he's even taking a little tiny step back from, uh, from ministry altogether because, you know, he has to focus on himself, grow with the business that he started or go into school. But did you hear about the person that I healed in 2020 and restored his vision? Right? And so Stan here, uh, 2024 rolls around. Man, this guy, he's not really reading anymore. He's not really praying that much. He kind of helps out a little bit with the Connect team, you know, doing his little thing. Um, but then, do you remember that one time that Stan healed that person back in 2020? Man, that was really powerful. 2025 rolls around. He's not in church really that much. He's just focusing on uh, his, you know, his, his relationships, everything. But he still brings up the healing that happened five years ago. 2020, uh, 2026 rolls around. Guess what he brings up? Get his guess. Healing. Yeah, wow. You guys are on it. Um, yeah. Anything that gets a little repetitive? A little Stan? Um, why does he keep on going back to that? Why is, is nothing new happened in his life? Why is he living back in the glory days of 2020, if it's not that glorious? Um, I'm going to get back to that illustration, but I want to read with you guys Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, if you guys can follow me. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Uh, Read uh, verse 9 again. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. Okay. So, the, the issue here is, We need to understand what it means to overflow and what the importance of it is. Over here, we have cups. We have you, titled you, input your own name. I'm going to use my personal name, Edward. We have your friends. Um, We have your family. We have your coworkers. And this is just three little cups that I decided to use. It's not too much. Um, We have all this set up here. Um, And what what I'm going to describe here is kind of, This is great. Um, I want to describe a, a situation in, in, in a physical, and how to, how to look at your life 
and how your life grows spiritually and blesses other people. And so over here we have a jar. Can anybody guess what's inside this jar? Technically, yes, water. I like to call it spiritual juice. So right here, um, it's kind of hard to see. Oh, never mind. Living water, spiritual juice, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you. Um, living water. You, friends, family, coworkers, cups. Um, in John chapter 4, verse 14, it says, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of, well, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Uh, later on in John chapter 7, he talks about whoever believes in me. As scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Okay, so we have all the ingredients here. We have us in our life. You have your doing your thing. We have the living water of God that he promised you. We have what it represents, right? Love, joy, peace, all that fun stuff. And so uh, let's say you're here. You don't know Christ too well. You're kind of empty. There's nothing in here. No surprises. Actually, somebody did like a cool magic trick with this. I can't do the magic trick. So there's no surprise. This is an empty cup. Okay, we have you here. You're empty. You don't know Christ too well. Maybe you just accepted Christ. Congratulations. Now we're going to add a bit of that living water into your life. You just got some love. Good job. You start to love people a lot more. It's, it's, it's weird how acceptant you are of people. You're really joyous. See, the difference between joy and happiness is before you may have been happy, but then where did the happiness go? When you're joyous, you're in a state of joy, your state of being in, in that. Happiness is a result of being in joy. And so you, you have joy all the time. You choose to be happy. You choose to walk and, and to be happy in the, in the love of Christ. You have patience. You, you don't smack your siblings around as much as you used to. You love your neighbors a little more. You're gentle with your dog. Um, that's a conviction for me. Um, and you have some self-control. Over here. Now, take a look at this cup. Can you, some of you guys can see this. Some of you guys cannot. But we have a cup here that is about to break and about to flow over. Wild guess. What do you guys think is going to happen if I was to pour some more water? It's, it's spill. It'll overflow. Um, to overflow means to be abundant. It means to abound. And I love this word, to exuberate. Write that down. Tell your mom you learned exuberate today. Uh, exuberate and overflowing plenty. And so... What do you guys think is going to happen if I pour more water? It's going to flow over. It's going to break. And this water is going nowhere. It's on the floor. It's in this pan. This pan doesn't represent anything. And so why is this important? And so take a look at this. You're living your life. You're filled up with the love of God. You're filled up with his joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. You're filled up with all of this stuff. And you can't help but share the love of Christ. But you, you look around, you see your friends, you see your family, you see your coworkers, and they don't have any of it. And so you, being the Christ follower that you are, pour into them. Give, give your friends a little bit. Give your family some and give your coworkers some. Your coworker, your family, and your friends are now a little bit more full. But look at you. Are you empty? This is a true question. No, because the verses that we just read, and John literally just said that, Rivers of living water will flow from within. And whoever drinks, they will never thirst. The water I give will become in them a spring. 
And so as you pour into other people, that spring that God has promised you that's inside of you, it's going to fill you up. But imagine the spring from within. I couldn't rig a system where I'd get a pump and pump this up. But imagine this is a spring and it fills you up. It fills you up. And the thing is, as soon as you pour into your friends, you get filled right back up to the top. You get filled up. You've reached essentially right here at your capacity. And what you need to do is you need to empty yourself to your friends, to your family, to your coworkers to bless them. And you need to be selfless in that. And so as you live from overflow, you empty yourself, allowing to be filled up again. Why is it important to be filled up again? What, what could I learn from God? Think about this. When you guys serve, when you guys go and you overflow and you bless people around you, you give to them. You empty yourself. Don't you find it a weird coincidence that as you do that, God starts to speak more closely to you? Don't you find it weirdly coincidence that when you reveal the revelations that God has placed on your heart, that he gives you some more and even more profound revelations? Don't you find it weird that as you love people and you're more patient with people, God gives you that and you're even more loving and even more patient and even more all of those. And so that's why it's important to empty yourself. So that you can receive a new, fresh living water from Christ that flows and wells up within you. Don't be worried you're not going to run out because your source is Jesus. And so as you pour out, you get filled up. The more you pour, the stronger the source fills you back up because it's a spring. There's a capacity right there. Remember, if I pour more, it's just going to go out of there. So as soon as I pour it, it's going to fill up. So the more I pour, the stronger that source, that living water, that spring within me is going to fill it up. And the less I pour, the less the spring is going to fill up at such a, a high velocity. And if I stop pouring altogether, look at him over there, then you're going to stop being filled because there's nothing to fill because you're already full. And so you've reached your capacity. And so you can be in this moment right here. You can be standing like that. And look how stale and stagnant that is. Imagine leaving that over for a while. If I left this for a month in this room and we came back in a service, would you guys want to drink that? Well, maybe, some of you. Let's say a year. Let's say two years. And let's say, who knows, we have a lot of kids camps in here. Trust me, you do not want to touch that, okay? And so if that water's not moving, you don't want it. You don't want to spit it out. And so what does it mean to live from overflow? Overflow of your heart. Sharing, you have an abundance of God that you just can't keep to yourself. You just want to give it to everybody, right? You give his love, his grace, his mercy abundantly to everybody. Christ has come to this earth to give you life and life abundantly. You're giving. And so how? How do I live from this overflow? Good question. Good question. There's three things to live from this overflow. First of all, you need to recognize that Jesus Christ is your source, if you can't understand that where the spring comes from, then it's not going to help you out. If you're thirsty, and let's say we're, you know, back when there was no running water. Um, well, there was always running water, but like when there's no like plumbing. Uh, if you're thirsty, you're going to go to a spring where there's water. You're going to go there and you're going to get some water to drink. You're going to go to the source. All right, if you recognize that Jesus Christ is your source, then you're going to go to him for that water, for that living water that's within you. And so let me ask you this. The number two thing is you need to spend time with him. If you need love, right here, the top one right there. If you need love, go to the source of love, which is Jesus. Not somebody else, not somebody, not even your parents, not, you know, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, fiance, wife, husband. 
not anybody else but Jesus can give you that specific kind of love, okay? Nobody can give you that life-giving love. If you need joy right there, if you need that, that living water that's right there, if you need that joy, go to the source of joy, which is Jesus. Temporary highs of whatever you do, right, of doing fun things, stupid things, whatever it is, the temporary highs, the fun friends, even money, is not going to fulfill you with that joy like Jesus would because he's the source of it. He brings it out. If you need self-control, go to the source of self-control. That's not you, surprisingly. I used to always think that I was, it was up to me to control myself because it's in the word, right? It kind of messed with me. But then why, why do I find myself, when I spend more time with God in his presence, reading his word, praying to him, why do I find myself automatically have, having good control over my life in general? over the relationships that I can have, the conversations, even sometimes physical things as fitness or even a sleep schedule. It's weird that when you spend time with God and you, and you genuinely give your time and you rely on him for your source, you, 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 start, you start having more self-control. Don't try to discipline yourself into oblivion, right? Don't try to create a habit just for habit's sake so that you can uh, confine your life to a small little box where you count how many breaths you can have. What time to wake up, what time to sleep, what temperature shower you should take, all this fun stuff. You can do that, but true self-control, that's not self-control. True self-control does not derive from your strength to do things or inability to do them, but your dependence on God. If your understanding of self-control is relying on your own strength, then you're putting yourself into a prison. But a true self-control is from Christ, and that overflows into your life, and you show others what it means to actually control yourself in word, in, in speech, in, in your actions, in everything. So we need to spend, we need to recognize that Jesus is our source, that living water, that spiritual juice. We need to spend time with him, reading, praying, fasting, community, what we're doing here, and serve. And then lastly, we need to forget what is behind us. And this is what I'm going to end on. Uh, it's our last point. You need to forget what's behind you. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not, this is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. Not that I have already obtained all of this. He's talking about perfection. Or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm going to highlight verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, this is it right here, guys. Listen, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Let me ask you this. How can you look forward and how can you look ahead, forward to what's ahead when you're so busy looking behind you? When Paul's running that race, he's talking so much about running a race. He's zooming. He's going fast. He's going. And then imagine trying to run a race and looking like this the entire time. You're probably going to go off to the side. You're going to go to the left. It doesn't make any sense. When you're running a race, you have to look straight. You don't look to the side. You don't look to your right. You have to just go straight. And so when Paul is talking about running this race, he says, don't look behind you. You're going to veer off. You're going to go to the weird side. You're going to go into a little ditch. You're going to go into a different lane. Focus. Look forward. This was happening at the end of Paul's life. Paul was uh, writing this... Um, this, this, uh, this letter to the church at Philippi, and he, 
<sighs> he, was, he was getting to the end of his life, but he's already accomplished so much. Paul has opened up many churches. He's opened up uh, from different, uh, different areas of, of churches, Corinth. Um, he's been doing amazing things. He's been healing people, right? We know Paul as a great apostle, but Paul has also done some bad things. Paul has persecuted Christians. He's, um, he was involved in the stoning of uh, various uh, martyrs. He was a part of that, and that was a part of his past. And so when Paul talks about forgetting what's behind, what do you automatically think he's talking about? Obviously the bad parts. Forget what's bad behind you. Forget your shame, your guilt, your addictions. That's in the past, okay? Forget it, right? Um, but what he's also saying is, hey, I'm not going to get caught up on my accomplishments. Man, just because I opened up this many churches, just because I've served this many people or healed this many people, that's not going to stop me from going even further. Because I honestly, for myself, and a lot of us here, we would be satisfied with just one year of Paul's life for our entire life, of the amount of power and, and glory that Paul had. If he can just give me one of those 60 years or however long he lived, and he's given it to me, and he spread that out over my entire life, I mean, that, like, honestly, that's pretty successful for today's standards, Opened up a church, that's probably one year he did that. And imagine, like, and, and so Paul was super accomplished, both in the faith and just in general, uh, he was a smart dude. And so he was saying to forget the past. Don't look behind you, but look forward. All right, forget about your sin and shame, but also don't be content and complacent with your accomplishments and your achievements. Don't let that weigh you down as well. Don't be running and look over here and you see there's some lust over there. You, I don't look at you, but then you decide to look at that healing that over there or that, or that person that you brought to Christ over there. You're still looking to the other directions. You're not looking forward, right? So even you, if you may be looking at something good, that something has been accomplished, you're not looking forward, and that's not the purpose. And so Paul, this was at the end of his life. He was accomplished, and he was saying, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Man, Paul's not done. He's, like, he's just sounding like he's just getting started, honestly. He sounds like he's just getting ready. He's stretching. He's getting, those, uh, he's getting ready to run. And so I want to ask you guys this. What are you still looking at behind you? Right, we have this overflow over here. What are you looking at behind you? Because you can be so focused on behind you that your water then begins to get stagnant, a little bit stagnant. And nobody wants that. They want to spit it out. Just like Stan. You guys remember Stan? He's a good guy. Stan, he, he kept on talking about the healing that he did in 2020 when he's in the year 2026. Why? His water got kind of stagnant. What has he been pouring into people since then? What have you guys been pouring into people since then? Are you guys looking to a testimony that maybe happened, you know, 10 years ago? And do you still, when, when a preacher or when somebody asks you, hey, what's something amazing that God did in your life? And you automatically go back to, oh, yeah, when I was four years old or something like that. No, this should be something that just happened a month ago. This should be something that just happened a few weeks ago. Like, why are we settling for something that's so far in the past? Why are we allowing our water to get stagnant? Why isn't that living anymore? Where is that spring? Why is it reaching the brim? We should be able to pour into other people so God can reveal new things to us, his heart, his life. Paul never took a break. Paul kept on running. Not, he did not allow his achievements to satisfy himself, but he only allowed Christ to satisfy him. Living water is not stagnant. 
There may be a lot of water in the container, but it's old. Look at your container, guys. Is your container old? Is, is the water in there not that good? Consider pouring it out into somebody else uh, and blessing them with, with the revelation that you've had, but move on. Learn something new from God. Serve in a way. And that's how we do it. And I'll explain this is the way to receive from Christ. Just because you went to Bible school does not mean you, need, you can stop reading the Bible. Just because you went on a mission trip doesn't mean the mission here is done. Just because you started a home group doesn't mean everything in your home is taken care of and in order. And just because you led worship doesn't mean you should stop worshiping God. Or just because you preached once doesn't mean you stop declaring and preaching to everybody that you talk to. Just because you did something that shouldn't exempt you from doing something else in the future. Don't look back. Even if it's a good thing, don't look at it. Look forward. Look to what Christ can produce out of you in the future. That's exciting. Imagine if you can see, if you could close your eyes and you're just running forward and you can just see the blessings, the accomplishments, the love, the everything that you're doing for Christ. Imagine if you saw that in front of you, how fast you'd run. But then you're settling for the things behind you, which are cool. But they're not bad. They're not ahead of you. And so what is experience, uh, what do you experience when you talk to somebody with overflow? Have you guys ever talked to anybody like that? It's genuine overflow. It's passion. It's love for Christ. What does it look like? What does it look like to be an overflow? And this is something that you guys can apply to yourselves. It means teaching what you're being taught. Don't hold to yourself the revelations of Christ that he's giving to you. Because as soon as you let go of a revelation of Christ, doesn't mean you'll forget about it, but Christ will replenish that revelation with something even greater. You share and you give. Uh, you, you serve home groups. You know, with, with teenagers or even at 1825, come in here. You, you serve at worship. You serve at connect. You serve at, in the back over there with the sound. You serve at projection. That's what it looks like to overflow. You talk to people. You ask how they're doing. You actually are invested and care about people. You put effort into your family, into your brothers, into your sisters, into your siblings, um, into your parents. Overflow is moving. You're not stagnant. You're looking forward. You're going forward. But it only, only works if you recognize that the source is Jesus. Um, yeah, if you guys can get up, we're going to pray right now. <clears throat> and I want to challenge you to pray a prayer and to be kind of to be reflective. I mean, we started off this sermon. I'm talking to you guys that the spirit of God is here and he's, he's speaking to us. And, um, and look at yourself. Have you been looking behind you for too long? Have you been looking behind you and then you came at this service and then you just snapped your head straight forward and it turns out you're not even going in the direction that you started. Right? You're running this race but in a different direction. Um, I, I want you guys to be honest with God. I want you guys to be honest before him right now. Um, and to give him your heart, to give him your undivided attention almost. He wants to stir something up in you. Maybe he's revealed to you who he wants you to speak to out of your friends possibly. Maybe he's showing you, hey, this guy over here, he, he needs Jesus. He needs some love. Maybe he's been talking to your family. First Timothy chapter 5 verse 8 is a very powerful verse. You can't, you can't stop providing for your family ever as a Christian. 
And just because you made progress with a sibling doesn't mean you should stop. That means you should keep on pushing forward, further and further. Maybe Christ wants you to talk to some kind of coworkers to pour into them. Or maybe, just maybe, oh no, this is not good. Maybe, just maybe, you're empty. You don't, you don't even know anything. You need to be filled up. And how liberating it is to be filled up, to, to drink how liberating is that because when you're thirsty man that's all you can think about David was talking about my my soul thirsts for you like a deer panting for streams of water like have you guys ever been to that point where you've been that thirsty where I, I've been there where I literally had like no saliva I've had nothing like I was on the brink of dying right it's a really bad idea and I've been there and only thing I wanted was water and I was looking around and I was like considering should I squeeze this leaf and maybe this leaf can give me something Right, and you start making up weird things, and all you want is that spring. All you want is that source. And our soul is the same way. If we're empty and we talk to people who are full, we just want whatever that is. We just want whatever he has. And so, if we could close our eyes, I want us to pray to God. If, if you've recognized that you have been looking behind you, maybe it's been something good. Maybe you've been looking at something good. Stop looking at it. Or maybe you've been consumed with your sin and your shame. You've been liberated. You've been forgiven for that already. Why are you still focused on that? Forget about your sin. Forget about your shame. Just look forward to what Christ has in store and ahead of you. Stop focusing on your past and look ahead to where Christ is. Run straight. Look forward. If that's you, run to God. Say, God, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry that I haven't been uh, fully dedicated to you. I'm sorry that I haven't been looking at you, God. I'm sorry I've been so con uh, so full of myself. I've been so full of myself. I've had too much self-pity. I, I, I keep on putting myself down, hoping, God, that this, this guilty feeling is going to make me feel better for some reason. It's going to make me feel wanted, God. I'm trying to replace this loneliness that I'm feeling, God, with, the, with, with this feeling of guilt because I assume that if I feel guilty, God, that you're going to somehow come down, you're going to be with me, and that you're just going to lift me up, and, and, and I'm just going to satisfy for that, and I'm going to be satisfied with that guilt. No, Lord, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to seek your presence. I'm going to seek your living water. If you have been convinced that, you, that you're done, you're not done. Maybe you've been too focused on your accomplishments and you, and you think it's time to slow down. You're like, okay, I've worshipped enough. I've praised enough. I've led enough home groups. I've done enough things. You're not done. you still got so much more in you. Look forward. Look ahead. Christ wants to do an amazing work inside of you. If you only knew if you only knew what Christ could do through you, right now you'd start running. Right now you'd start jumping for joy. But Christ holds that away from us. He keeps that behind the curtain, God, because he needs our faith. He needs our humility. Man, if you guys understood the power of Christ and what he can do through each and every one of you, man, you would go home right now. You'd be talking to your family about this. You'd be talking to your friends. You'd go to work tomorrow. You'd be excited to explain to everybody. Christ, I pray that you may show each of us here, Lord, what is that? Oh, may we look forward to you, Jesus. And if you're empty and you need a filling, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to surrender yourself to God. And you want to be filled up with that living water and no longer rely on your own strength. I want you to raise your hand and give it to God. Allow him to fill you up and him to be the source of everything in your life. Lord, I pray and I bless each person here. 
Hallelujah, Lord. You're moving and you're working on our hearts, God. I